0: in session, and today we are taking a look at the working development of a tabletop RPG that's still well under development. As always, I am your host, Scott White, also known as Professor RPG, and this week I have the pleasure of welcoming to the university Twitch partner and one of the creators of this game and system, Jessica Rose. How's it going, Jessica?
1: It's going great. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course, it's my absolute pleasure to have you on to talk about your game. But before I get into said game, I want to get to kind of know a bit about you and kind of your your history of nerdiness. So where did the, your nerd adventure first begin?
1: Well, my nerd adventure began long, long time ago when I was seven. And during Christmas, I was gifted a Super Nintendo that came with A Link to the Past. Love a good Zelda
0: game. Oh, great starting point. Wonderful yeah. starting point
1: yeah amazing so many hours of rage on certain bosses and oh, temples yeah. but I got through it <laughs>
0: uh, I got lost so much especially when I was younger uh in Zelda games so uh yeah I completely understand and can relate to your uh anger especially with some bosses but but yeah you are both a variety twitch streamer and also you were developing a tabletop game in world so kind of what was your background or when did you start getting into tabletop games
1: i'm gonna date myself here but because i'm 34 but uh you know back in the day we had a little chat program called mirc and i don't remember how i wandered into or found this server but essentially it was a DD game but based on a d100 system over a d20 system and uh, it was it was great. And there were multiple game masters and there there was a game at any point, And then there was essentially live role play in certain chats where we could either be like in the tavern or in the world or the universe in between games. And it was just really my first entry into the D&D space. And I fell in love.
0: Interesting. When. So that was your first experience, like with tabletop and everything. But so was it. Long before you actually got like a group together or sat down at a table and played like D and D, or
1: yeah, uh, it was actually a couple of years later because that you know sparked the I need to know more. So mm-hmm. I ended up like buying uh, the books at the time, a second edition a Bard book, and then eventually my first sit down table was when I was sixteen uh with 3.5 with with a group of friends that I had fallen into and we had explored a lot more than just uh Dungeons and Dragons we explored Vampire the Masquerade and a Star Wars tabletop game among others uh that we just all loved to play
0: very cool what how big of like a uh, uh not culture shock is the wrong word, but how much of a shock was it going from a D 100 system down to D 20? Or was it not that big of a adjustment for you?
1: It was a pretty decent adjustment because I was constantly used to the D 100, but that prepared me um, for the potential of a D 20 system. Uh, so it was the, essentially the D 100 system was about the same. You had your critical fail. Had your your critical uh, rolls, um, and it was just more numbers uh, versus the D twenty system. So while your ninety eight uh, percent was your kind of like your soft crit, and um, your ninety nine was was a medium crit, and then your hundred was obviously your your natural twenty uh, roll. Um, where that is only explored in a uh, nineteen or or twenty on a d twenty, mm-hmm. it was a bit of an adjustment, but eventually I got there.
0: I feel like, wow, a, a hundred. So you had three. So you have a higher chance of critting on a d twenty than you do, like with a d. Interesting. Um, but we, uh, as fun as it is, and I love hearing about your history of nerddom. I want to hear about this new system and world and lore that you're actually creating. So tell us a bit about that.
1: So I was watching uh, bright, this is around the time when bright came out. Um, it's that buddy cop movie with Will Smith. That's in the fancy era It's essentially shadow run mm-hmm. uh, when you break it down. And that area explores if middle earth uh, grew and evolved into what we, we know as modern day where, you know, there's humans, but we t- There's also (laughs) orcs, there's elves, and everyone has their own district, and it's kind of intermingled into human society. And I wanted to explore the idea of what it would look like if, essentially, the fantasy world came to us in modern-day Earth. And uh, so I just started writing, and I came up with a a lot of great ideas about what that would look like Um, and developed a system around that.
0: Very interesting. It's it's definitely a, I think, theme that hasn't really been explored. I mean, you have Vampire the Masquerade, but that's always that's stuff like that is they've always kind of existed here. You have cyberpunk, which is a futuristic kind of dystopian, but like a fantasy world crashing in and having to force to adapt to our own is a very interesting premise. Um, How are you kind of reflecting that nature, those aspects in gameplay? Or what's kind of your um, thought on how you might approach that?
1: So the main uh, thing I wanted to tackle was uh, the idea of magic, right? Because in our current world, um, our form of magic is sleight of hand in science, right? Essentially. Uh, And in this parallel universe um they have magic it flows just as easily as science because there are artificers and and stuff Mm -hmm. in in that world but it's mostly just powered by magic and i wanted to see what that would look like but um so we're using mana crystals those are the name for now (laughs) quote unquote mana Mm -hmm. crystals uh, as a way to um imbue the earth with magic so it's going to be stronger around these crystals that end up happening because there was a cataclysmic event as there usually is (laughs) that ends up uh, causing a massive burst of mana crystals all around ley lines Mm -hmm. uh, around the earth. And the magic is going to be much stronger in these areas, but as you move away from them, it's going to be a little bit weaker depending on what
0: happens uh, or where you are. Interesting. Interesting. So, how like how far into kind of this world's development are you? It sounds like you spent a lot of time working on kind of the lore and the 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 setup of this world. Uh, yeah. How are you? And you've mentioned like artificers and things like that. How are you planning to incorporate or kind of do classes or is it more free form? Like what makes the like what kind of gameplay are you going for?
1: Uh, so there will be classes uh right now um my pet project are the um celestial clerics and um the uh, sorcerers so I am actually developing a whole system around uh magical spells that have to do with like solar or lunar mm-hmm. um and that could be empowered depending on the time of day or by a celestial event so with the uh, lunar clerics that I have in mind, say if there's like a lunar eclipse, they they'll have access to essentially an in-game spell uh, that is only available during these events. But it can make for some pretty interesting epic moments for the players.
0: And are you th- are you aiming for like a D twenty system? Like what? Yeah. Oh, okay. Very cool.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be based off of a D20 system. So our plan right now is uh, to incorporate my Twitch stream. We'll be running a campaign that essentially is the uh pre-log to where you start in the system, in, in the game system. Uh, so you'll actually uh, witness the exodus from their, their planet in two hours, and then the book will take place 500 years later in the future. Once everything is kind of settled down.
0: Interesting. So I'm curious, like will the focus more be on in, in essence, the middle earth or the fantasy world refugees kind of adapting or are you planning or want to incorporate more of our like modern, uh, non-magical folk into, like, uh, as a playable, quote-unquote, not race, but quote-unquote faction, I guess. Could you have, like, detective along with a partying up with a sorcerer or a Mm -hmm. a plumber and an artificer kind of thing?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's really um, what the player wants to be. We'll have a set of classes that they can choose. Uh, But I ended up making a kind of a mock trailer like a couple years ago because essentially this whole idea um, started outside of like me being inspired by Bright. It was going to be a mod pack that I was going to make f- with my fellow Minecraft friend, Wild. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was writing up the lore there. Then I realized that this could be just so much bigger and this could be like its own game with, with how much I was writing. Um, and the idea is that really just anyone from anywhere could get pulled from whatever the campaign is going to be for whatever reason that pulls these motley crew together. That usually happens. (laughs) Um, and they can be part of it. So the idea is that in the fantasy world, which we've co-named, uh, the project name is Illusion. Uh, so we're calling it the illusion world. Um, Humans don't exist in that world, so you you have like this uh, growing pains of humans finding out that there is a parallel universe, and then these uh, the people from Illusia are growing pains with the humans who are a very non magical race. So you start having a situation where essentially magic is. I don't want to use the term infecting, but growing within our world Mm -hmm. and spreading. And we're going to have that case where some humans will be able to actually do magic um, at a far lesser cost. But, you know, if they hang around enough and and get taught properly, they'll get the hang of it.
0: Interesting. And you you mentioned something that I want to touch on. You mentioned that this is it's a parallel like these people are coming from a parallel world. So is it like a split timeline? It's not. A whole other world is just Earth developed differently kind of thing. Is that the angle you're more thinking of going down?
1: Yeah, more magical universe, because I love the idea of a multiverse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's so great. And it, it just makes sense. Um, so essentially, our world uh, where we're starting is is a non-magical universe, depending on how you look at it. Obviously, science is is different in the forming of stars. But in their world, magic does exist, where... You know, their crops are assisted with magic and and magic is about as common as uh science is to us.
0: Mm-hmm. That's i I love the the concept of science and magic kind of coexisting or having to come to a balance sounds like such an interesting plot point or avenue for mechanics to break around. It's mm-hmm. And and like we mentioned, uh, it's it's an idea that hasn't really been explored much, especially like in the tabletop space, uh, which is very cool.
1: Yeah, I really wanted to uh, do something that I haven't personally seen done before. I Mm -hmm. know the idea has been loosely explored through um, random literature and uh, movies, but never really in a system that I've seen mm-hmm. um, because the goal is to not only make this a tabletop RPG, but possibly just turn it into its own video game as well. It's just the, the possibilities are endless uh, once we really get the system down and uh, have a full direction on everything.
0: Oh, definitely. I I almost get it um, like video game vibes. I get kind of a, a dark siders kind of view, not as post-apocalyptic and everything's destroyed, but just the, the melding of um, fantastical and modern. Now with them bridging over, and you mentioned that the book or the, the quote unquote core book would take place about 500 years post joining or post the coming over. What timeframe are you thinking that they would, like what is the 500 years before are you looking like medieval kind of Renaissance kind of Victorian or like the five, the 500 years previous would be like 2022. So like the main game would be more of a, a futuristic setting. So it would be like 25.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's in today here and now, uh, because if that had happened, then we would have something similar to like Shadowrun. They would have already gone through the growing pains in modern society. Mm -hmm. By then, uh, I wanted to explore if the f- fantasy happened now.
0: Okay. So the core rule book would have rules or be after the 500 years, or you would be playing in like modern day where it's just starting?
1: It would be after the 500 years once everything is settled down and these, these factions have formed because obviously there's going to be some people
0: that reject magic. They're mm-hmm. like, no. it's like magic punk instead of cyberpunk you got magic punk
1: exactly exactly now i'm curious no go ahead i was gonna say so the idea is that after the cataclysm it it does kind of set us back uh because the mixture of of science and magic and we see this uh, epic point at um the cataclysm Mm -hmm. uh does set things back so we end up uh moving to a more medieval era but now we have all these remnants in in the world where uh this big cataclysmic uh, event actually exaggerates each environment so you have things that are forest but now it becomes an overgrown lush uh you you have a mild desert but it becomes a full sand desert it just over exaggerates every single uh
0: environment
1: and that is something that we would like to explore as well.
0: Very cool. So one of the, the things that I'm definitely getting from your description and how much thought you've put into all this is how much the world itself in kind of the history plays a part in the system itself. Um, I, one of the things like with tabletop, it seems like there are systems that are very focused on really good combat and others that are good for more problem solving and interaction uh, between characters. What sort of balance are you hoping to kind of achieve with um, uh, the world of illusion and this this game system?
1: I'm really hoping um, that it becomes a true story building experience. Uh, So a lot of the combat will be freeform. We'll have like the list of spells and stuff like that. But I think personally, my experience with D&D combat is that it ends up taking up like half of the session, depending on what's going on. Right. Because mm-hmm. everyone's going through their initiatives and, and their terms. Uh, we really want to help alleviate that. So that's why we're leaning more towards freeform. But we really the goal is to create a world that allows the game master to make this wonderful story experience. It's all about the story uh, for us. And we just want to give you the tools to be able to create that story.
0: What sort of tools are you wanting to give players? Um, like in terms of what are you hoping to give like in the core book, like detailed region descriptions or like what what is your ideal like fan campaign like what would you love to see
1: uh the ideal fan campaign is uh, gonna be going off the lore so because we're in this world where you know magic is not that acceptable because it came in and it destroyed some <laughs> lives in, in the view of people uh the further you stray from these mana crystals you're going to be dealing with things like um prejudice against magical users where they'll actually have to hide Uh, their magic or they're in trouble because there is a faction that uh, will essentially be hunting them down. So they have to have some kind of stealth the further they are away from magical civilization. And I think that's a great uh, shall we say like starting soup (laughs) (laughs) to to go off of it could create so many potential amazing encounters. Um, And there's also uh, what ends up causing the exodus, which is uh, essentially uh, one of the gods ends up being corrupted, and they're hunting down the other gods, and that we want son to- of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Every time, get to every God, time.
0: It's always the gods. They always it, it really messing things up. Really are,
1: uh, but <clears throat> essentially, it, he, he's going to be the big bad uh, and we wanted to make this ability for the the game master and the people to choose so we actually decided on essentially you you roll for your big bad and so you're presented with a list of uh races and gods because uh the idea for the illusion gods is that the races exist because the god exists so as we see these other gods uh corrupted uh down the line depending on how the story goes uh, you start seeing that specific race lose its affinity or in this case let's say uh the dwarven god gets corrupted and ends up killing the elven god so the elves start losing their immortality and their proficiencies that come along with that race
0: So you're you're aiming for sticking with like classic fantasy races that elves, dwarves or stuff like that.
1: Yeah, something to work with. And then we're just going to kind of toss in uh, some things that we come up with down the line. Uh, There is going to be an aquatic race because while I am terrified of the ocean, I love the idea of it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And a lot of my campaigns and the things that I've, uh, dungeon mastered. I I always make sure to have like an underwater, uh,
0: event. You always got to have that pain in the ass water dungeon. I feel like it's mandatory. (laughs) Yeah. Any fantasy setting or RPG, you got to have that stupid water dungeon.
1: I I guess I just really was raised by Zelda.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: Having the penchant need for a water dungeon or a water city.
0: What is a fantasy trope, like a high fantasy trope that you would like to like avoid? It's like, this has been mm. overdone so much. I like, I want to take this idea and just spin it on its head or avoid like the plague. Like what? What do you want to... Yeah, I guess. What's your biggest pet peeve with the fantasy, high fantasy trope that you want to avoid with this?
1: The concept of evil races. So typically uh, in high fantasy, you have like the quote-unquote evil races where it's like orcs or Mm -hmm. goblins or anything like that. Um, I really do not want to explore uh, that area because every race will essentially have its own things that it goes through um such as we we do have a uh fish race quote unquote uh that has like suffered uh at the hands of others uh through like warring tribes nearby but um it's never going to be just because oh cuz orc you know what mm-hmm. i mean um they will have their own reasons why they they do stuff and it it just won't be because they're naturally evil
0: yeah. Are they reverse mermaids? I've always wanted to see a reverse mermaid in, like, a game.
1: Yeah, they have, like, gill. It's like the um the, the shape of water. That's the idea. Uh, okay. The type of fish people that I want where they're essentially in this, like, um th- they live on this lake and in low water where the water will just, like, kind of come up to waste. It's only, like, maybe three, four feet tall. Mm-hmm. And they build an entire city around it. And the city is, like, right in the middle of it. And it's, just, it's, great.
0: Interesting. That's cool. I want to see just like a top half of a person as a goldfish and then the bottom half is just (laughs) legs running around aimlessly because they're always looking straight up like they don't have a waist where they can bend so they kind of have to like charge. Uh, Minus
1: two perception.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're always looking up though man watching out for those birds, those seagulls.
1: That they got. You You never know when a giant bird will swoop in.
0: But yeah, goldfish people, be great. <laughs> that would be amazing. Giant goldfish, legged legged goldfish gods. God, there's potential there. There's, I'm I'm just saying you can have that one you know, for free. I'll consider it. There's that. I'll one. definitely consider it. <laughs> you got that one for free. Okay. <laughs> or maybe it could be a shunned like. Outcast goldfish that lives in a cave or something. I don't. I don't care. <laughs> the, oh, it's like a werewolf that it's, gives the party a quest. Yeah, it's like it's like Bigfoot. <laughs> People just have pictures and like there's these myths of this strange goldfish person that just runs around and bumps into trees. No one knows where they are, or it's if they're a real. Magical
1: spell gone awry. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's a druid that got uh like trapped mid shape change. Yeah. <laughs> and because they don't have like hands or like can speak anymore, they can't do the other components of the spell to finish the transformation either back like back into a human so they just run around on their feet uh yeah. as they flap their fins. Yeah. See? Uh, lore. That's so heavy yeah. heavy lore implications right there. Yeah, 100%. It's great.
1: Oh, yeah. Or they're like traveling out of the magical zones and they just get stuck. Yeah.
0: (laughs) A botched experiment, a botched human, uh, a human that botched a spell from this mysterious race,
1: granting him,
0: granting them immortality. But in exchange, they've lost their top half, which is now a goldfish. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Uh, that's that's comedy be great it'd be the comedic relief uh deity well yeah yeah just a whole
1: section on like bits you can do oh yeah the system yeah
0: make it like a holiday thing like a chris like a santa claus like you have to leave out certain things otherwise the fish man will so the fish man will like leave you presents or something i don't know (laughs) you kind of scare the kids into behavior otherwise it'll eat you and turn you into a fish person There's just there's potential yeah, it really is. <laughs> what's in kind of on the flip side, what's a fantasy element or kind of trope that you want to maybe lean more into or that you really enjoy? That's like just timeless.
1: Oh, that's a good question. Um. I love the idea of a good elven city based around magic it's actually one of going to be one of the capital capitals where they not only live around the mana crystals they Mm -hmm. shape them and live with them and so there's going to be this giant spire that people are just gonna live in and there's gonna be an academy out of it and i just love fantastical elements like that but they'll just be like floating spires all around just this absolutely gorgeous and refined area
0: just pleases me so much. <laughs> That'd be cool. I I like to imagine that they're they're going to do this in like a random US town and it'd be like the grand elven capital of Tallahassee. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Um we were exploring about placing the, the elven borders around Colorado.
0: <laughs> there you go. Those elves like to get high. <laughs> Some yeah. high elven magic. They, they do have <laughs> high elves. High elves are a thing. There you Very go. True. It's a whole new type of high elf. Oh my gosh. We just
1: have this uh, half elf that comes from California <laughs> 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 and
0: ends up living in Denver, color <laughs> Hey, man. Immortality is <laughs> cool. Yeah. We're all high elves here, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it'd be so great. That's why I, that's part of the reason why I want to explore this like mishmash of current modern times and in, in fantasy, because it just the potential for the players to create these characters mm-hmm. where you can't really do it in D D. Like you have to form your idea into a fantasy element where yeah. you could just be and just let it rip. It excites me so much.
0: As you've been working on this for a while and kind of thinking about these races and coming to our our world and kind of adapting. What race do you think would be most likely to have adopted the Tide Pod Challenge the hardest?
1: Ooh, let me get my my list open here.
0: We ask the hard questions here at RPG University. Yes. What fantasy race? Really big in the Tide Pod challenge.
1: The Tide Pod, the Tide. Let's see. You know, just because of my experience in campaigns with anyone that has ever played this race, I'm gonna have to say it's the gnomes.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it. Those silly gnomes wanting to get all the internet memes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was that's another thing. Like, I can't imagine like introducing like fantasy races to the internet. Like how that would. Be adopted. That in and of itself, I think, right. just has so many hilarious, potentially hilarious implications.
1: God, the idea of like just orcs talking about how they chip their their tusk and they're waiting for it to grow back, or
0: or like googling yeah. dentists after breaking said tusk.
1: Yeah, yeah, orc specialists.
0: Dwarves <laughs> ordering like ore ingots off of Amazon.
1: Yeah the possibilities are endless it, oh, it really is. is and that's that's ultimately the goal uh, of code name alusia is uh just to really not only explore those elements but but give the players uh the opportunity cuz i i've seen a lot of stuff mm-hmm. in, in my 20 years of <laughs> d and People can get very creative with a tight system. What's it going to look like with a little bit looser, uh, lore system?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've only really just started describing it to me. And what, in the course of 20 minutes, we've come up with half fish, half people, high elves, (laughs) the elf, the majestic elven city of Tallahassee,
1: the elven kingdom
0: of Colorado. And now. Orc dentists searching on Google. I mean, the possibilities are near endless.
1: Or like wing specialists for the dragon races.
0: There you go. There you go.
1: Will they have to go see a veterinarian?
0: I don't know. Would they? (laughs)
1: Like a a reptile specialist veterinarian? Would they have to go to that?
0: (sighs) So many implications. So many. Yeah. And like, what about druids? Could they go to either? Like, depending on what their health insurance covers.
1: Yeah, like if it's cheaper to go to the veterinarian, they just shift into what they need to and go to the veterinarian.
0: (laughs) Hey, Doc, I have this issue and then they shape change into like a a puppy dog. It's like damn druids always taking advantage of us veterinarians. (laughs) No wonder people are scared of magic. They're taking advantage of the insurance system. (laughs) Curses. (laughs) Curses. Oh, so you? How long have you been working? How long have you and your um associates been working on this project?
1: So, like I said, the lore started around 2016, but we're making an active effort now here in 2022 because things are starting to calm down with with the world a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. not so much, but with the pandemic, it, it's starting to kind of even out. Mm-hmm. Um, we really want to make an effort uh, this year to to get a lot of the a base game uh, developed in, in the system itself. And uh, so we're going back and forth in between exploring an exhaustion system where um, say you will be like passing these like athletics checks and uh, strength and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But you earn a point of exhaustion over time and that ends up affecting your roles uh, until you sleep. Or have like your big long rest.
0: Oh, that's cool. What sort of ask? Look, would it be just you get dis or uh, the disadvantage equivalent, or are you yeah. spending on that?
1: Yeah, so it's a uh, essentially going to be disadvantage. But if we also want to explore the opportunity of the people like pushing themselves uh, too far, mm-hmm. where like maybe for the next week they'll have like a minus one on whatever check uh, they expended and got exhausted with physicality or or whatever
0: nice so let's say you have released the main book and it's doing really well what where do you see potential or possibilities to expand or where would you want to expand this after the main uh core book is out and available
1: uh, I would like to expand on uh, classes because right now we are trying to keep, because there's a lot of potential here. We're trying to make sure that it's not just becoming this big hot pot that we're just throwing things into. Mm-hmm. That there is some kind of a structure to start out with. So I would like to expand on um, some classes later in which uh, you essentially have the artificer that uses both magic and science to, to make like these fantastical machines. You'll have your robots, but you know it it can be powered by a crystal, and uh, in in itself do spells. As a result, Um, that is something that I wanted to put in the main game, um, but I think I might keep it for an expansion later.
0: Very cool, man! It's it's so interesting to hear about kind of the design thought and process that goes into in just the consideration in designing things like that, having a bit of a game design background myself um, with school, it's. It's fascinating to me. People's different approaches to things like this, um, to to creating worlds, to creating games. What is your kind of. Design process like, do you work or create well? listening to music or like how do you find your inspiration for the things you create and the ideas that you uh write down
1: I kind of find it in everything and then I just kind of ask the question like what can I draw from this um but I do listen to music so like if I'm Uh, writing some material for the game I'll usually put on like a fantasy setting style uh, just to kind of get in the mood and uh I'll I'll watch uh literature that has to do with it just to kind of keep uh inspired and in in that that realm of, of the idea that I'm going for uh so I just I would watch fantasy movies good old classic Lord of the Rings and and others and um <clears throat> go from there but mostly my my method is chaos because i do live with adhd
0: mm-hmm. so
1: while i'll work on one thing one week the next week i'm not going to work on the same i'll be throwing ideas and then eventually refine it as time goes on
0: what is something that maybe through the refinement process that you've gone through or it just you couldn't make it work. What's something that you would an idea you had to scrap or kind of put on the back burner that you hope to be able to reimplement or figure a way to to work into it?
1: Uh, the big one would be the artificer class. Uh, we did have to put that on the back lines in lieu of making things a little bit more streamlined when people get first get introduced to the system because I feel like it was just too complicated of a class uh, with too many elements um, as well as uh spell developments for these like lunar and then celestial classes, because it's so easy to get the ball rolling and let the ball run away from you yeah. <laughs> in this situation.
0: With you having, or with the idea of there being classes that are tied to time of day or get different benefits for various uh, celestial occurrences, things like that, is have you implemented or plan to implement a like a time tracker system into the game? Or is it more the players themselves will kind of have to keep track or be OK, well, now it's nighttime.
1: Uh, yeah, so it's just typical run by the DM or, or the players. Um, so they will have to keep this in mind if they try to cast certain spells. Uh, so say you're down below in a dungeon and for a specific spell, your element that you need is the moon. You need to be able to mm-hmm. see the moon. So um, you could be inside of a building and maybe what this looks like is this battle happens and, you know, the party's down and you have your your lunar <clears throat> cleric essentially and their last spell is one that requires the moon, but they can't see the moon because they're inside. What does that look like? Will mm-hmm. the sorcerer or the mage end up blasting a hole in the roof, revealing the moon for that godsend deus ex machina moment or or what? Um, those are some things that we really want to explore and give an opportunity for the players to think about and strategically use those spells in their favor or not.
0: Yeah, I would I would imagine that it would be difficult to balance. A class like that, that is so heavily reliant on a time of day or um, being outside, balancing it where it wouldn't be a total bummer to be that class. If you were in a dungeon or a basement or a building or something, unable to use half your abilities or something.
1: Yeah, it's really about being smart about the spells that you take and in the system that it really makes you consider magic rather than it being this free flowing thing. Um, We we try not to limit it too much because we don't want to cut them off at the legs. Everyone wants their epic. Like I am the hero story Mm -hmm. or villain, depending on where you go with it. Um, But we really want people to strategically think uh, about uh, using these spells, just like well, with any moment. I mean, everyone loves a good, well-timed counterspell.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Except the DM.
1: Except the DM, especially when it's <laughs> against the big bad, yeah. Poor Matt Mercer.
0: <laughs> oh, man. I, I still love with... I'm guessing, have you finished campaign one, I'm guessing?
1: I haven't. I've been okay. loosely watching it. Um, I'm really into the Mighty Nine right now.
0: Okay. I'm, I watched that was my pandemic watch. I decided, okay, I have a lot of time on my hands. I'm finally going to watch critical role. So I started with campaign one and watched through that. And my wife and I started, um, campaign two right before campaign three started. So we're still mm-hmm. early on. And with the whole mighty nine, I think we're like on episode 10, but we've been keeping up with campaign three. Um, but yeah, so, uh, a good, a good counter spell is always, uh, can always make for a, a fun time. I, I do kind of want to be that DM sometime that the big bad counter spells a heal or a revive, though, <laughs> right? Um, that sounds really good and totally sounds like something a bad, like an evil doer would do, um, especially yeah. mid combat. So that that's another thing. Like, what's your approach? Like, I guess when you play tabletop, are you usually a DM or a player or are you kind of split between the both pretty comfortably?
1: I'm pretty comfortably split between them both. I love taking part of one. Um, but I also love building the story for my players to to play around with. Uh where I don't say I'm I'm a more um difficult GM, Mm -hmm. but I I true do try to add like some elements of uh evilness into my plays, like In the dungeon, where we'll have three trapped rooms and puzzle rooms, and then suddenly they come to a completely empty room and just a door. Mm -hmm. And then they spend two hours because they don't trust me
0: that it's just a door at this point. (laughs) Yeah, those are great. Um, I love. I I find myself when I play DM because I I I roll both. Like in one game, I'm the DM; the other, I'm a player. When I'm the DM, do you ever find it hard to like not want to just try and kill the other? Like, do you actively in encounters strategically play it to take down the the players? Or are you approaching combat as a fluff and kind of. uh, Periods or events for the players to kind of shine and do cool stuff like how do you approach things as like a dm in that regard
1: i try to find a good balance because i think what makes for a really compelling experience is kind of forcing the players to really think like is this something i can take on or do i have to run right now Mm -hmm. like because running is always an option especially in my games like you don't have to just sit down and deal with the the experience or or slash or spell your way out of things um, I really like to encourage creative ways into resolving a situation, mm-hmm. um, which is <laughs> led to some hilarious moments where players have just surprised me in what they do as they tend to do.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Like, Oh, you have a big bad? Mm, no, you seduce now.
0: <laughs> well, there goes my entire plan. Okay. It's uh, time to pivot. <laughs> pivot? Uh, yeah. Uh, what's... What's been kind of the craziest or most extreme or what's one event as a DM that you had thought it would go one way and it went a completely different way or you had to ad lib on the fly? Do any stand out to you?
1: Well, there's a couple. Let me think. Um, This is I think this is the campaign where I learned to just Operate on outlines versus mm-hmm. okay. This is what we're going to do. This because the players do something completely different. um Where we were going to, a, I had them go into a town and I set up little little plot points or little breadcrumb crumbs for them to follow. And whatever what which one they went is what will we go with. But then they split into three groups and kind
0: of followed all of them. I am so sorry. <laughs>
1: And I'm sitting there just staring, like, what did I do to myself? I did I did this to myself.
0: <laughs> I orchestrated my own demise.
1: <laughs> if it isn't the consequences of my own actions.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: uh, yeah, I, I learned to operate on outlines from then on uh-huh. and and then just kind of roll with whatever happens. And my experience in switching, because I also do Grand Theft Auto roleplay um on the twitch rp server mm-hmm. that itself has has taught me a lot about um improv and, and what can go wrong and, and the yes and mm-hmm. uh, feeling to it which is i have incorporated into my games and i'm going to because twitch rp is actually working on getting um a D community built within the community
0: tell me a bit about this twitch rp because like i feel like i've heard about it but i'm not like super familiar with it
1: Yeah, so Twitch RP is essentially a role-playing community. Um, Last I checked, the Discord itself had over 20,000 members. Uh, The main game is Grand Theft Auto, but they have seasonal games like Ark or I did uh, two seasons of Atlas, Um, Conan, really games that you can build a world in, um, in and play in. So... In Atlas and ARG, you can build your ships and you can build Mm -hmm. like whole towns and and stuff like that. Um, They do a lot of those seasons, but there was also a recent merger uh, partnership where uh, the PRC, which was essentially a Red Dead roleplay community, um, has come to join in partnership with RP. So now we have acquired uh, Red Dead as well. And... It's a much more slower paced uh, type of experience, obviously, because you're a little bit more limited with technology and and everything in Red Dead than GTA is. GTA is is definitely far more fast paced, but it's it's a great community. Um, I have made many friends as a result, and. uh, It's it's been a wonderful experience over the last couple of years, uh, role playing on their servers. Very cool.
0: Sorry about the side tangent. I was just like, I, I've heard of it, but I wasn't super familiar with it. Um, so apologize uh yeah about that. But
1: I'm always happy to talk about Twitch RP. I, I rave about it. I try to get my friends
0: to join. <laughs> I'll I'll have to check it out. It sounds pretty nifty. Definitely definitely yeah. sounds nifty, but and they have a full uh
1: medical staff, quote unquote medical staff, uh eye roleplay. As a sergeant in in the state police for the GTA server, so like I help uh, kind of coordinate things on on a lower staff level and, and training and stuff. And it's an interesting experience.
0: Mm, sounds like
1: they actually relaunched their GTA server recently um, with whole new patch and everything and fixed a lot of stuff in the back end. So
0: so do you all just like play Grand Theft Auto online, but like role play as your character?
1: Yeah, we use a 5M. It's a modded server, essentially. Okay. When I mean, things are done to, like, much better quality of life. It's it's a great time. It's very unique.
0: Huh. Interesting. Might have to take a look at that. And uh, yeah sounds like it would make a good RPGU episode one day.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty great. I do know a guy. <laughs> that you can talk to if you <laughs> want to do that.
0: I, I might just uh, take you up on that offer uh, once <laughs> I uh, experience it a bit myself and have a uh, bit more expertise, expertise or experience anyway um, that I can speak yeah. to as well. But very cool. Yeah, and you can apply at twitchrp.com. Good to know. Good to know. Um, But I guess we'll land on... um. A serious question with your your tabletop, with your system, mm-hmm. with introducing these fantasy races and the adoption of magic in the real world in your world or in this new world of science and magic. Has it been definitively decided whether hot dogs are sandwiches or not? Mm-hmm.
1: I'm going to have to say that per the recent meeting between halflings, gnomes, and humans,
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, uh, it mm -hmm. was
1: decided that hot dogs are actually um, burritos.
0: That is a plot twist. Mm -hmm,
1: mm -hmm.
0: I feel like that's a gnome thing. I feel like that's some gnome backstabbing that went on and some.
1: I'm not going to say there was a coup. Some Um, mana crystals exchanged hands. Yeah, yeah. I I cannot uh, comment on this time uh, and definitely don't have a a gnome pointing a dagger in the back right now forcing me to say this, but it absolutely was not the gnomes.
0: I will... uh, Totally believable. Yes, we'll send help. We'll send the high elves, the Mm -hmm. high, high high elves uh, to to help you out. Much appreciated. (laughs) <laughs> but this sounds like a such a fun fun system in world you are creating um i can't wait to see it kind of continue to flourish and get released and if you ever need a play tester or anything i would i humbly volunteer to check it out because it sounds like such a good time um and I would love, as you continue to work on it, I'd love to have you on again and see what's changed your updated sense if uh, you'd be interested.
1: Oh, 100%. This is going to be a live development at this point. And we do plan on releasing some one-shot campaigns via Patreon where people can play test off of that.
0: Awesome. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. But thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on and speaking with me today. This has been a lot of fun
1: yeah yeah it's it's thank you so much for giving me opportunity to share a little bit more about uh the world that me and cheddar have been creating
0: well it it's been my pleasure but where can people find you online what do you have cooking uh go ahead and plug plug away
1: uh well uh jessica rose tv that is my blanket brand name i stream on twitch occasionally I do uh, tend to post the dank memes on Twitter, which is also Jessica Rose TV. And I, we have a discord in which uh, we're actually going to start watching through some critical role episodes with the community uh, because, you know, Vox Mac and other release of the animated series just kind of mm-hmm. sparked a little bit of uh, community love. So that's where you can find me. Uh, and I hope to see you there in the garden.
0: Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. And Vox Machina was fantastic. Great animation. It was so good. So, good. So, so, good. so good.
1: I wanted more. <laughs> I was upset that it ended.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, considering it started off as only going to be like a 20 minute short or something that we got a full season and guaranteed at least a second season. I know. Um, yeah. Amazon bought a second season. So super excited. But anyway. Yeah. Thank you to each and every one of you who's listened today. Be sure to write in reviews on your preferred podcast service, as I'd really appreciate it. If you have an RPG you would like us to feature on an episode, tweet at underscore RPG University with the hashtag RPGU with your suggestion. Or you can share your own favorite RPGs or tabletop memories directly with me on Twitter at SolidSnake120. As always, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy, be kind to one another. May you always roll high. Class dismissed.